and welcome back to Scottish Independence Podcasts. This week we have the first episode of a brand new show on Independence Live's YouTube channel. It's called I Matters from Westminster, or Fay Westminster, and it's presented by MPs Martin Day and John McNally. Here's the very first episode so you can see what it's all about. Hello, I'm Martin Day, and with me is John McNally, and we're starting tonight for the first show, I Matters. We're looking forward to uh, hopefully an exciting uh, set of shows uh, every Monday night when Parliament is sitting, subject to votes and all the chaos that goes on down here. So tonight we thought we would just introduce ourselves and tell you a bit about the work we've been doing and some of the work we're doing in the back up at home in the constituency for the wider yes movement uh, we're hoping we might have a few guests joining us but we'll see where they are they haven't appeared yet but here we go so i'm martin day i am the snp's health spokesperson at westminster for my sins and of course we're all champing at the bit to get out of westminster as fast as we can and that means using it as a platform to promote our messages and convince people of independence. But the real work is done at home, it's done on the doorsteps, and it's done in the constituencies. So for us, this slot on a Monday night is a bit of dead time um, when we're stuck down here, but we'd like to be communicating uh, with folk back home. So hopefully we can have a good productive uh, collaboration, and we're very grateful to the guys at Independence Live for working with us on this, and I hope we add a bit of value to the, the platform and the wider movement. John, do you want to say anything? Yeah, I'll just echo what you've said, Martin. Um, welcome everybody that's watching tonight, and this is our first attempt to go live. need to get back into our constituents, need to work more with our constituents, and this is one way of doing it from Westminster. So Hopefully over the next few weeks we're successful. We're getting some more people to view in and get some good communications going with everybody locally. And and of course, as Martin said, communicate with the Yes hubs that are already in existence and try to bridge the gap that we have between Westminster and our own local area. So I'm John McNally. I'm the MP for Falkirk and have been since 2015, which is... Seems an awful long time ago, but uh, we're still here and we're still fighting for the cause for independence. I'm going to ask John about uh, some of the work he's done getting a Yes Hub set up in the Falkirk area. I've helped out a wee bit, but John has done the lion's share of this and I think deserves a bit of credit. And also the wider movement needs to be pulling together and making use of these kind of assets. So, John, would you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, we'll do, Martin. Uh, thanks very much. And uh, the idea about getting the Yes Hub set up in Calder Square Fog was uh, maybe a couple of three years ago we started this up. We were trying to get it up and then we, just when the pandemic was beginning to ease up. So it's been quite a success so far. Uh, we've managed to get Andy, the two Andes from the Calder Studios, who I hope to bring in a minute. But the idea was to get the Yes Hub up and running Martin and I have spent a lot of time putting the thing together. He's underplaying his contribution to this, actually. So we've managed to have various groups meeting in it, develop it as a community hub for all types of groups within the Falkirk area and the wider area at large. So we've managed to bring a couple of societies in. Some political parties meet there regularly, but fundamentally it was an idea 
to get people come in, broadcast, record things, do interviews and get used to speaking to a camera. And that's been started and it's been quite good. We've managed to do some broadcasts, but with the great help of the, the Andy Kennedy from Calendar Studios, we've managed to put the thing together bit by bit. So they've provided the camera work, they've provided the audio work. We've had to stop and start sometimes, but developing our own skills as broadcasters, as recorders, and gradually put the equipment together. And as we go along, we've found that we've, we've all improved a bit, bit by bit by bit. It would be great to have somebody come in as a professional producer to do these things, but as you, most people would know, you know, working along yourself and bringing other people in, especially when we're lucky enough to find people that are actually willing to work alongside you. We've been very lucky uh, in developing that, and we've been successful, I would say, with some of the things that you've actually managed to fill them in Calendar Square. So we managed to bring in a group of the WASP ladies. We filmed them. We had some interviews with them. So we again, we're trying to develop our own skills from these things and fundamentally create some body heat, as Martin's always fond of saying, by getting people back uh, involved in the whole of the, the Yes movement. I think it's maybe worth adding, just so that everybody knows, John and I are obviously very much Scottish National Party members and elected mm -hmm. politicians, but the Yes Hub is all-party, and we've had a, a good bit of cross-party work mm -hmm. going on there. I think that's worth emphasising that we will work with absolutely anyone that's committed to delivering Scottish independence absolutely. because it's a team effort. And uh, the more of us and the more divergent views that we have all arguing for independence from different angles, the better chance we've got to get in there and getting over the line. So um, we should embrace our differences. We've got both Andys uh, joined us uh, live from the, the S-Hubs. Hi, guys. Oh, cool. good, to, good to see you. Uh, and you just want to give us a quick introduction to yourselves and then uh, tell us how you think uh, things are going at the S-Hub. So I'm Andy Kennedy. Uh, I've got calendar studio and I also kind of managed the, the S-Hub uh, just to keep it manned and keep it available for people. All right, I'm Andrew Dunn. I uh, help Andy out here at the calendar studios and here at the um, uh, Yes Hub. Thank, thanks for that, guys. I think you are doing an absolutely sterling job, and we were very grateful for the, the work that you did with the live stream mm -hmm. uh, that we had in Falkirk uh, last year. I think that helped reach a lot of people and, and started to get the, the band back together. And by gosh, we've got a lot of work to do to get over the line, so every bit of effort we can put in now is is going to make a difference. So there's an old there's an old nationalist joke that nobody tells you when you get involved in the independence movement that the first twenty years are the worst. And it, <laughs> it certainly feels feels that way to, to, to all of us that have been chipping away at it for, for decades. But we are closer now than we've ever been before and it is going to be achieved. We've had a few other questions so we'll just try and batter through a few a few of these. Uh, feel free to chip in if you if you have a view because uh, I think the more views we have the the better. From Hashbury Stumble asking us should the Scottish government challenge the Section Thirty Five order to block the Gender Recognition Reform Act, which was supported across parties in Hollywood, and that is a, a very good question. It's a very key question, uh, and it will be a very topical one going forward. I think. I, I think there's a strong argument that we should be fighting for Scottish democracy and the Scottish Parliament's made a decision whether we think it's right or wrong and therefore there's a strong grounds for challenging. We maybe have to think how we challenge and the timing of that because I think there's a bit of 
uh, me that says that, and this is a view from Westminster, uh, I'm not in the Scottish Parliament, so I wasn't privy to the debates and the, the internal stuff that went on there, but members from right across the political spectrum in Scotland voted for that legislation. So we should be getting them on board to be challenging Westminster with us. And I think that is absolutely critical. So we move more people in our general direction. And whether we do that through debate first before we move to a, a formal legal challenge or not, that will depend on what what happens in the, in the ensuing weeks and, and what the best course of getting a result is. There's no point just rushing into another court defeat because the reality is anything that appears in the English Supreme Court is likely to favour the Westminster Parliament, not ours. And while getting that message back home that whatever our parliamentarians decide of all colours and persuasions will be just dismissed out of hand by Westminster is a, is a useful point to make, we do also want to get a result for a very marginalised group of society that have had a lot of problems. So we've got to look after everybody and make sure we also get the political result. I hope that sort of answers the, the question. Do you want to add anything, John? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Martin. But what it does illustrate is the fact that um, power devolved is power retained in Westminster still have the, the hold over us all the time. So it goes back again to the, it was supposed to be a democratic country in Scotland. We make a decision as Martin has said, and uh, whether you like that decision or you disagree with that decision, the fact that it's been voted through by the Parliament is the most crucial aspect of the whole thing. And I, I think this is a first-class illustration of where the, the Tory government of Westminster has decided just to step in and challenge our right to make these decisions. Now, it could be in any matter at all, and probably will be getting, uh, this Section 35 might be getting used to block anything in the future. So I would say that this is a, a test case for us. We have to tread very carefully and just echo what Martin said, but bear in mind that they still, the Tories at Westminster, still uh, they still hold the upper hand in what we can and cannot do. Yeah, and I mean, the Section 35 was a, a flagrant disregard for Scottish democracy, but it's not the only one that they have in their arsenal. And I think it's uh, very important that we remind people of something that most man in the street, most women in the street will not be aware of, and that's the UK Internal Markets Act, which allows them at a stroke of a pen to bring in yeah. the same legislation as they've done here. Well, it could be any part of the legislation, but you, you kind of know that if there's a divergence of view from Scotland or Wales to what's wanted by the English parliamentarians, that they'll decide in their favour that we have to tow their line, not that they will tow our line. So that's a very worrying area that I think we'll see a lot more use of, far more than we'll see from Section 35s, because that is the kind of nuclear constitutional option. So there's a, there's a lot there that we, we need to, to look at. We've had a, a few other questions, and I, I'll, I'll take them slightly out of order that they've came in, but, but because some of them run a theme with each other. Jack Gibson has asked us, does the written Scottish constitution float the panel's boat? And I think one thing that we've learned from being at Westminster is the absence of a proper written constitution that gives legal protections uh, and a clear route to things is, is a big concern. So Scotland as an independent nation must have a written constitution, in my opinion. I think that is so eminently sensible. There's precious few countries in the world that, that wouldn't have a written constitution. One of the, the great things about a written constitution, and, and uh, as some of you may know, I, I take a great interest in Indian political history, partly through my family connections, but uh, the, there's a great film about the 
Ambaker, who was the man who wrote the Indian Constitution. And you can use a written constitution to affect social change. And I think once you realise that, you do is just how vital it is that we have a written constitution. John, do you want to say anything on? Uh, not particularly, but I agree with everything you've said, Martin. You know, you need to get things written down so that people know where they are. And that's, uh, if everybody's agreed on that, then that's where we should be. But if, certainly in the Westminster government, is the, nobody has agreed anything in the long term. It just goes from... It floats from one short-term measure, measure to another short-term measure, and there's, they flout all constitutions. I mean, they're even challenging the European courts are taking that to the wire. So I think, uh, to go back to what the, the actual question is, we should have our own written constitution. I think we have a, a community feeling in Scotland that we all try to get the best for ourselves and for each other. And, and then, uh, I think the Westminster government, nobody would disagree with us at the moment that they're all out to line their own pockets whether it's through um, corruption and contracts that are awarded, the way in which they award themselves contracts, their, their cronies, their cronyism. And without going into any, any great depth, I think that's why we need to have a, a proper separate constitution that we run for ourselves, and we should stick by that. Uh, Claire Louise Farrell said the Tories know that independence is inevitable and that's why they are scared. And I think I think you're very much correct. Uh, that is the reason that they have frustrated our democratic right to hold a referendum is because they know that in the heat of a campaign with momentum on our side, we can win that. And they are terrified of that result. And they're not terrified because they're bothered in the slightest bit about what Scottish opinion is. They're bothered about losing a cash cow. Mm -hmm. They've milked for decades, centuries, in fact. And that is just the, the stark reality of where, where we are. The, the whole reason Detra has been to try and stall us for as long as possible and hope that we fall out amongst ourselves. And to an extent, they've been partially successful at that, but we, we have to rise above it um, and make sure that we do pull the wider movement back together and get an independence result. Um, because united, we are absolutely unstoppable. And actually, I've said this on so many occasions that having a, a range of views uh, backing independence is a strength, not a weakness. So we should actually embrace different strands of argument because different things will appeal to different members of the public. When you say that, uh, you know, the independence is inevitable, well, you know, I think that's why it reveals a lot about why the Tories are making decisions and why we've not gotten awarded things that we should be. For example, you know, we have Scott Wind, we have Scott Rail, we should have our own Scott Grid, where we're, the energy that we generate should be retained in Scotland, and we should be able to sell that back uh, back to other parts of the UK, or indeed into the European integrated circuit. But it's interesting, one of the things, Martin and I will meet groups, various groups from lobbyist groups, uh, from, all, from all types of things, but uh, recently I just met with a group who were interested in renewable energy, and they were terrified of the way the UK, yeah, the UK government was going. But the biggest thing I said to them, well, if, we go as, if we go independent, you know, we'll be keeping that energy, producing it for ourselves, for our businesses, to give cheaper energy to our uh, homes, our local businesses, Martin said, even our own internal market uh, in Scotland, and help to uh, reduce the, the pain that people are going through just now because of this madness of uh, an energy system that we have to, got to live through where energy is transported down the national grid and then sold back to us at a higher rate than we would send it. I mean, that's utter lunacy. So I think that's one of the illustrations of why we need to take control 
uh, of our energy in this huge energy mix, not just for the now, for the here and now, because we could do that practically overnight. But when you start to look at the future generations and the skills to transform youngsters coming through into the energy skills, I just read today, for example, there's a 200,000, uh, two shortage of 200,000 people in the solar energy and renewable energy sector. And that's something that we should be addressing. If we had the power to produce that energy and put it back to use in our own country, you would see a big difference. And I think that's one of the illustrations why the contracts for the carbon capture and storage weren't awarded to Peterhead. I think that's probably one of the safest things you could say. They didn't want to give it into Peterhead because they know that we are going to be independent. And I think that's an, a clear illustration why they would move, uh, move it somewhere else and not to us. The drawings behind me were done by the late Andrew Hillhouse, who's from Preston Pant. He was from Preston Pants. It was set up just as an exhibition to showcase his work and his widow has kindly allowed us to keep these images. Um, there's some really phenomenal imagery here um, that, you know, it's just breathtaking some of the some of the work that you've got there. The exhibition was arranged through the John de Graham Society. I've been working a little bit with the, the Sensory Centre. They specialise in assisting children with sensory impairment, mainly hearing, which is something that's quite close to my heart, that yeah. I'm part deaf. But I'm also a DJ, which, you know, is probably why our music tastes aren't quite aligned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like music. <laughs> my taste in music so it's maybe a little bit different. I like a lot more percussion in my music, so I can hear it. I help. I like to help the children set up the all the disco equipment and let them play with the decks to let to help them understand that having a sensory impairment is not a barrier to enjoying music. I always use Dame Evelyn Glenny as an example and show them videos of her at the start of the, the Olympics. It takes the local needs out of the equation. And again, that's why we need this independence. Mm. We need, you know, who understands Scotland better than Scots? And we need to get, we really need this. Absolutely. We're, we're getting a few more questions, um, but just going back to some of the earlier ones that came in that we've not tackled yet, there's a sort of theme, and, and no surprises that we've got a theme just now which centres around uh, what's happening in the SNP and the SNP leadership. So we'll just go through a few of the questions that have came in and take them as a as a job lot, I think, is maybe the easiest, easiest way. So uh, just starting off uh, with Tina Chalmers has asked what is going on within the SNP just now. Evelyn Hume... Uh, has asked us, do you think the attack by Kate Forbes on SNP record on transport, etc., has done damage to the Scottish Government, since even Rishi Sunak quoted her uh, PMQs? And with Stephen Scott, who said, I voted for Kate, am I wrong? Taking the last one first, which is maybe the easiest one, I think every member should should vote, and they should vote for who they think will do the best job. And if you vote for the right reasons, 
we will get a, a positive outcome to this election, irrespective of, of who wins. One of the, the things I think we have to do is we've got to make sure that we have a, a significant uh, return on the ballot to show the enthusiasm for the mm. members that we have. It's disappointing that obviously our membership is down from where it was a few years ago, but we have to show that membership to be enthused, to be keen and to be willing. And once we have a, a new leader in place, we need to all rally round whoever that is, which is why I've been a little reluctant to make any public pronouncements, although many who know me privately will know exactly what I'm thinking. But I don't want to browbeat or try and force people to vote one way or the other. And I think it's actually very counterproductive when we see that happening um, because our membership is our strength. Um, and when it comes to the vote, each of us as elected members have exactly the same vote as the person that stuffs the envelopes and the person that runs around the door with the leaflets. And nobody's view is more important than anyone else's. What is important is that we're focused on an outcome and that outcome is to get our independence. So, no, you're definitely not wrong, Stephen, uh, to vote the way you believed. And I I think coming on to Evelyn's point about the, the attack by Kate Forbes, it's it's been 19 or 20 years since we last had a contested SNP leadership contest. I remember the two previous contested contests, and they were pretty vicious as well, but they, they were in the days before social media and wider, wider uh, communications. Um, so perhaps in this day and age, we need to be a little bit more careful with how we phrase things and, and think of the wider audience. But one uh, one positive I take from it is that we, you know, we are out of practice of holding these kind of divisive leadership uh, contests. Every other political party has had very divisive leadership contests on a much more regular mm. basis. So you know, we're not immune to that type of debate. Uh, we just have forgotten how to do it. Um, and there'll be a lot of lessons I think learned going forward um, from from this one. Do you want to add anything on? Uh, yeah, very briefly, Martin. I, I believe that uh, the three candidates have their strengths and their weaknesses, and um, they'll be evident to every person you'll associate with one one of the candidates or another. But I believe that um, I have faith in the members of the party that will elect the right person and. Uh, I'm mindful of the fact that, just as Martin said, that um, everybody should exercise their vote and address the problems that we have. Don't be scared to have the difficult conversations with each other because one, you know, once you have the the difficult conversation, it starts to clear things up. So I'm I'm fearful that um, you know uh, next Monday, is it when the election uh, the results are announced, that uh, we I'm fearful that people still carry on some sort of vendetta against somebody else. So I just Hope we go over that well, and as of, as we're all here for the same purposes, you get behind the person that wins the vote and make sure that that leads us to a clearer way forward on uh, behind the yes movement in general uh, towards independence. So I'm hopeful that there there's a bright new generation coming through there, uh, and that's a great thing to see. And I I don't dislike. Any of them, I think they've all got their strengths and weaknesses, as I said, and it'll be up to us to make sure that we give them our full support. Yeah, um, just on on the same the same theme, just follow follow up question from from Tina again, saying, "Do you think we will be closer to independence six months from now?" Well, I I suppose what what I would say is that the old adage that a week is a long time in politics is, uh, has proved very true over the last uh, couple of weeks. 
I think we'll be in a very different place uh, even a month from now. Um, and one of the things we're, we're seeing already, and certainly we're seeing uh, initial signs of it locally, is that since the membership figures for the party have been formally released, and goodness knows why they weren't released uh, before now, it has prompted people who had lapsed to start rejoining, um, which is a, a, is a really encouraging sign. And, you know, we've come through a period where the parties had some very strong uh, leaders um, in the last couple of decades, and they are now passing on to the next generation, as John mentioned earlier there. So there's going to be change, and I think change and refresh is, is something that we should welcome and embrace. Um, I, I've been actively involved with the, the SNP since the, the late 1980s. I knew people who had been involved for the several decades before that. And one of the hallmarks of the SNP was we were always innovative uh, and engaging. And we did new things and we, we embraced new ideas and, and new people. And, and coming from West Lothian, where Billy Wolf, who had been the party leader in, the, in a large period of its history as well, he was, he was always one for encouraging younger members and activists. So th there's lessons there that we need to go back to uh, and getting the, the next generation taking the, the lead. Old war horses like John and myself are there to help out, uh, give our tuppence worth of advice and, and campaigning knowledge. And But we need the, the energy and the momentum of fresh ideas and, and a, a refresh after the, the the lengthy period of of stable and effective leadership, I have to say, is no bad thing because we haven't got over the line yet. So we need to do some things a wee bit differently. I think that's a reasonable. Yeah, it's, it's very reasonable. I think um, it's also worthwhile noting that you know Nicola uh, led the party for a very long time, probably through some of the roughest, most turbulent times that you could possibly um, have come through. And she stood up there day after day talking through through the pandemic. I think she put her hand up if she'd made a mistake. And uh, she was honest and truthful about that. I believe that probably, I would say she's probably as exhausted with the whole thing. And it's a tribute to her that she managed to keep going for this long. So it, it goes back to the same thing all the time. There's anybody in this business, as Martin said, for the length of time, Martin's been going, this, going on this trail a lot longer than I have. I never really got involved in this. I was in my 50s. so um, And he's 20 years younger than me and been going at it longer, 20 years longer than me. So uh, I have a lot to learn. But I think the fundamental truth is that, you know, your, your reason and your desire come together in the campaign towards independence. And you have to learn to take the good with the bad. It's as simple as that. And as far as I'm concerned... We are getting closer towards independence, and again, again, I'll reiterate what I think, and a lot of other people, uh, you know, got about in my own local community. I had the benefit uh, in a past life being a hairdresser, and uh, I probably know hundreds of people, and it's it's quite easy for me to speak to people if people come up and speak to me. In fact, yesterday when um, my wife and I and my mother-in-law and my son and daughter and her husband went out for a meal, I was 25 minutes late in getting in to get the meal with uh, on, on Mother's Day, which didn't go down too well with them. But it's simply because people want to talk to you and their concerns about where the country is going. So you take that opportunity to be able to speak to people and primarily need to listen to what they're telling you and, and, and absorb that. So I would just finish by saying that I think we're going in the right direction. I think people feel that, um, again, a couple of us speak to yesterday, 
they've they've felt that we were maybe a wee bit in the doldrums for a long time. Maybe that's how we had to be to come out of this pandemic. People are regrouping. Their people have had so many things to think about. You know, keeping the cost of living at bay, try to keep their businesses going, keep their head above water, feed their families. And I think maybe maybe now people are beginning to see, yeah, this is the way ahead for us. And I think um, again, it seems to me that the party will regenerate itself now. We'll start to look at things and say, actually, we need to get a bit more involved again. I mean, we've had more prime ministers and chancellors at Chequer and God knows what at Westminster has just become a total farce. At least in Scotland, we can do something about it. And whereas at Westminster, I know it's one of the other questions that come in. I can assure you, I'm not fear of anybody in Westminster. I think they're terrified of us. We, we see that pretty much every week we're here. Um, and uh, they're getting sort of... The muscular unionism is is coming out more strongly, which I, I think works well for us because it, it it has to help push more people in the right direction, our direction for independence. Um, once you start seeing the, the attitude that they have to Scotland and Scottish ideas and democracy in general, I mean, you know, you don't need to you don't need to be a rabid Scottish nat like ourselves to to realise that what they're doing with the industrial disputes and their strikes mm. bill is just absolutely abhorrent. Um, everyone should have the right to withdraw their labour in an industrial dispute, should they so wish, and, and that should be protected and, and defended. So, they, you know, they just do not like anyone that stands up to them. And I think that is the, the issue. It's their way or their way. And, uh, you know, for us, the answer is we need to take our own highway and find our own way out of it. Uh, you know, can I just add that, uh, again, with the two Andes and their skills that they have in the calendar studios in Falkirk, uh, you know, Martin and I, particularly Martin, driving this way forward, with all the best will in the world, you know, we can't get round the whole of Falkirk and Monlithgow, get out to meet people, it's just an impossibility. And now that we have the, the technical ability to do these kind of things, isn't it just so important that we start learning how to do these things for ourselves? You know, so young Andy there, or Lofty as he's known, so he's been painfully trying to show me how to work a camera, how to zoom in, how to zoom out, how to make things happen with a camera, and uh, it must be scratching his head sometimes, um, <laughs> because it's not natural, not natural for me, but I have to say that it's becoming a bit more natural, because you you start to understand the lingo, you know, it's um, a new... A new development for us, and it's probably something. It's probably our best weapon now is to get to get more people involved. And as I've said earlier on, there are people willing to work for you. And once you start getting them on board, and we can't do the campaigning that we did before, but this is one method and this is one media way that we can actually do it. And uh, I'll just put in a wee advert for the two Andes here. If you're in the Falkirk area, you know, get into the Friends for Yes Hub. Ask them if you want to learn about some social media training you know, getting in front of a camera, um, just being able to record something for whatever you want to do. Just get just get in there and start to do it and they will accommodate you. And it will be paid for. You won't have to find the money to do it yourself. It will be paid for by us. And, I mean, if you get 35, 40 minutes with these guys, you'll, uh, you'll learn an awful lot. And I'm not being cheeky to anybody that's already doing this, but I think it's an invaluable experience to be able to go and do your own thing. I just read something last week. Uh, I was at one of the local schools, and I think it was uh, one of the girls from Bowness. She's now going to be a presenter on Blue Peter. Yeah, 
And it was, um, what she said was, for us going in front of a camera is nothing new because we're used to doing it. And I think that was a very, that was a very poignant moment for me because these people, this younger generation, are quite happy and they're quite content doing these things. For my generation, it's very difficult to get, to get involved in that type of thing. But for them, it's natural. So we made, what I'm trying to say here is, I think we all need to make use of the talents that they have to develop uh, our skills and get them involved and keep them involved as much as you can. Because as you know, once you've got somebody involved, you need to keep them in here as tight as you can and they will help drive you on as well. And uh, they might laugh at us, but uh, I'm quite happy to be laughed at if we're all going in the same direction. So we're inside Calendar Square Shopping Centre. So that's just on High Street, near the old bus station. While we're on the subject of, of different different things we can be talking about, um, because we've got a whole host of questions, one of the things we would like to hear is what type of subjects would you like us to do dedicated shows on? Because we do have the unique ability to get guests down here um, that we might not otherwise get. Mm -hmm. So let us know. Um, feel free to fire in. Uh, your comments here or even after the show we will monitor what's what's came up on the pages um and hopefully we can we can uh, get some interesting uh colleagues along uh, and indeed third parties and other organizations that we we have dealings with because i think there's a lot of issues uh that center around the powers that are not yet devolved uh that we could really get some interesting conversations going yeah, that's right. Uh, I was thinking about asking Jacob Rees-Mogg along uh, for one of the events, but I think he's still in the 18th century yet, so this might be a wee bit beyond him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, we've got great colleagues that are particularly interested, in, uh, and I believe that Westminster's very keen to come along when he gets the time as well. And and as Martin has already said, we've already spoken to third parties that, are, that live in England that are watching what we're doing. Um, you know, we have these, the constituency that has no boundaries. So, for example, last week, again, I was speaking to a guy called James Hunt, who has uh, is involved in the, the gyre thing that's going on. Uh, so his boss is going to be doing a live broadcast, I think it's in the 6th of September, from the middle of the, the Atlantic Ocean, gathering all the plastic up. He's very keen to know what's going on in Scotland. He's happy to come along and answer questions on the plastic, the marine uh, the problems that are happening in the marine world of well, the plastic, the fishing nets, the whole climate is a huge issue for us, you know, and I believe that we're getting held back a wee bit by Westminster where we want to go regarding net zero and, and driving us forward about our ambition. And as we haven't got full control about what we do yet, we've got great ambitions, but until we have the levers to make and deliver all of that uh, climate change thing, even the education within our schools, getting, as I said earlier about the money that we could generate, the funding we could generate from uh, our energy industry, we could have be having teachers going and talk about climate change and develop all of that, and it becomes second nature to the to the children in our schools when they start to hear about how they uh, can help to deliver a better, more sustainable, and ethical future. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that um, again, just going back to the amount of this, the schools that have attended, even the college. They're all very mindful of the fact that we need to change the behavioural change that needs to be set in place to make sure that the future of the planet is in good hands. Because at the moment, we're, we're facing another uh, 
something today. I think they're talking about another issue of the International Climate Change Committee and we're actually going to meet our targets. So I, I just come back to the same thing all the time. About, you want to change the world, you get busy in your own little corner. And if Scotland and Independent can start to deliver that, we're world leaders in so many things. This is We're now at the stage of this. We keep saying, even in that question, we need to move. You know, if we don't get this right, we're just going to be at a tipping point when we say we should have done. And uh, that's, I'm very fearful of that. And the Environmental Audit Committee that I sit on, you hear this evidence time and time again. And people praise the work in Scotland and the work that the Scottish government is doing. With the, they volunteer the praise that we're doing, uh, that they're achieving. But we're just not getting where we would like to go because we're, I think we're still being held back uh, here at Westminster. Do you think the Conservatives will cut and run next May? I, I think that is the most likely date um, for them to cut and run for the election. It's not necessarily the only date that they might go on. Um, technically speaking, they don't need to call an election until the end of the year. Um, so autumn is another possibility next year. And we can't even rule out them if they see an uptick in the polls or a call it a, an empire bounce from the coronation, um, that they might try and cut and run later this year. So, you know, we need to be ready. Um, we need to get our, our arguments and our, our ducks in a row mm -hmm. uh, so that we are ready to make a credible case for independence at any moment in time. And that's one of the big jobs that we've got to do is, is refresh a lot of our case. How comfortable do you and your colleagues feel about answering economic questions on a central bank and currency uh, and he's quite correct. I remember Alex Salmon did get caught out a bit by Alistair Darling on the on the on the TV. I remember those debates from mm. from the time. Uh, a lot of the economic case that that we have uh, is now dated, so we desperately need accurate, up to date facts and figures that we can arm the troops on the ground for persuading people with. Um, so there's a lot of refresh work now. There's valid reasons for why it's maybe not been done. The pandemic slowed things down. It meant civil servants and that were moved on to other areas. But we also need to be using the wider resources of the independence movement to be producing these kind of reports. I think a lot of the work that um, organisations now, new organisations like the the bottom the bottom line um, that Scott have, have done, there's some of their, their websites well worth looking out for a lot of the comparative analysis they've done. Absolutely first class. Um, we have a wealth of talent across the wider yes movement starting to pull things together. We just need to get a lot more focused on on bringing that that to the fore. And you know, all of us need to be armed with how we can answer the questions that people are going to going to throw at us. And we know it will be about the economy. And there's a lot of positives we've got. The the reality is, when you look at similar sized countries to Scotland, they're all outperforming mm -hmm. the UK. Uh, in terms of growth and in terms of standards of living and in terms of pensions. And I mean, almost every indicator you look at, other small European countries do far better than the UK. Why anyone would want to stay shackled to it is, is beyond me, but we need to be able to condense that into simple messages that we can relay on the doorstep, which is, is absolutely first class. Comments are coming in thick and fast, so... From... Uh, she's asking about how we're networking with Europe and the rest of the world, you know, bringing awareness for Scottish independence movement. And I think, to answer your question, Lorraine, I think Andy has just sort of answered that. We can do this, you know, from our own areas and from our own homes, as well as, you know, MPs and MSPs going out meeting other parts of the world. I think the, this, is the, this is the constituency with no boundaries. 
because you, you can now reach parts of the world, maybe even people, you know, speaking to people that want to invest in Scotland, come into Scotland, want to invest in Scotland, and we're, this type of platform would allow you to um, to speak to these people uh, in, a, in, a, in a manner maybe it just wasn't possible before. We're pretty much coming towards the end of the, the first show. We've got about five minutes left to go. We've, we've still got a stack of questions, which will, I think, well, we won't get around them all tonight. We will certainly use some of the comments to feed into finding guests and subjects for future shows. The, the plan is subject to parliamentary business, is to do this eight till nine every Monday night when we're in London and the House is sitting. Some Mondays we get let off for good behaviour, um, but chances are at least one of us will be here and the other will be able to join online if they're lucky mm. enough to be back up the road in the land of sanity doing stuff um, in the constituency. We noticed that there's a march and rally in Glasgow on the day of the coronation, so I think all of us will be able to pull ourselves away from our TV sets that day. Yeah, I had to uh, tender my apologies to the King as I was uh, attending a gala day in the Falkirk area. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've pretty much came to the, the end of the first show. Use us as a resource. That's something I tell my constituents on the doorstep. Uh, when we're out canvassing, I, I ask the, the 0 to 10 scale for where are you on independence, and if they say 10, if they say anything, I give them positive lines, but if they say they're a 10, I remind them that if they need any information to let me know, and 9 out of 10 of them say they don't need any information, and I always point out to them, I, you're saying that, but you'll be having a wee online argument with friends or family or something, and you need a wee bit of information to answer the questions that they're coming at you, feel free to drop us a line and if yeah. we can give you the information, we will happily share it because it's going to take every single one of us to get over the line. Mm -hmm. John, do you want to say any comments? No, I'll just uh, say thanks for everybody. This is our first attempt. You have to start somewhere and uh, we've got a new leader coming on. This is a sort of the end of a beginning, I think, for us again to take us forward and where we want to go. And Again, the wider Yes movement needs to come together and support everybody involved in it. So I'll say thanks to my friends in Falkirk, the two Andes, and everybody else, uh, as well as Kevin. Thanks very much for all the work that you do and uh, the patience that you have as well, not just for me, but for the wider community and the people that you bring in from the schools. You never mentioned that tonight. You're probably too modest, but the amount of work they do with local schools is quite invaluable as well. So thanks very much, everybody. So it's good night from me. Yep, and good night for him. Uh, <laughs> and if you're of a certain generation, you'll get the joke. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Well, thanks for listening. That was the first episode of the new show. I'm Atos for Westminster, and it could be really good getting a little backstage insight into what happens at Westminster from two of our MPs. So it should be on Independence Live on Mondays when Parliament is sitting. So it won't be every Monday, but I think it'll go out eight till nine and you can submit questions and comments. So it's quite an interactive show. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Scottish Independence Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and get us wherever you get your podcasts. Bye now. <laughs>